Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. You know what that means? Slow down. This is uh, the mystery of parenthood you're listening to. And so we'll begin with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become, for each successive generation, a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family, and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love with the Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. St. John Paul II, pray pray for for us. us. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yes, you did hear the voice of Sarah Bartell, who um, (laughs) thankfully is, is... becoming a regular on the show as long as she can put up with this but, oh, but uh love it. yeah no so uh we both have a passion for uh for what the church has to say about our daily lives and and um she wrote this wonderful catechism i let her introduce herself and then um and then we're going to talk today about marriage and kind of what the v- worldview is this day and 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 compare and contrast that with um with what the church has to say and the beauty that she has. So, Sarah, why don't you introduce yourself again? Everybody's going to get to know you hopefully very well um, if we don't run you off. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, sure. Sarah. You bet. It's so great to be with you all. So I'm, my name is Dr. Sarah Bartell, and I got a doctorate in theology, moral theology, from Catholic University of America, and I live in the Seattle area. And Trey and I have a mutual friend, yes, that's right. uh, Brian Nicolo. Yeah, and they just had a new baby, so it's happy news for for that yes. family, new baby boy. And I co-edited a book called A Catechism for Family Life: Insights from Catholic Teaching on Love, Marriage, Sex, and Parenting. So we'll um, later on in our discussion draw from a bit of that that book. But Thaddeus gave us a really interesting piece to read from the New Yorkers, uh, the New Yorker magazine, the section called The Cut on Whether Marriage is Obsolete by a real humorous author. So we're going to talk about that and kind of the view of marriage in there and then contrast that with the view of marriage that our church has. Yeah. One, and one of the things that, that I, we've always on the show talked about is the fact that we need to, to engage with the, uh, with the culture. So we need to kind of understand where people are coming from so that we can see, well, where might we agree? And, and there even as, um, I don't know what the right, what the right is skeptical is this, uh, is this, um, author <laughs> seems to be about, about marriage as a whole. It kind of rounds itself out in the end of, of, of having at least a glimpse of, of what people can come to even maybe without a sense of faith or understanding, which points us further to the fact of what the beauty of the church is, has for us in that. So I'm glad that you're here, um, here to talk about it. So, oh, so glad to be here. Thanks. Yeah, I, so hopefully we'll have this, we can have both the link to her catechism on, on and, or how to get a hold of it. Yeah, certainly how to buy it. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, um, and then a link to this article. Um, this lady is, I, I found very funny, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. albeit a little bit, um, sad, I think sometimes, but, um, but I, there was a, there's an image at the beginning of this that, that, um, that, that she's saying she's watching with her family, these, these penguins <laughs> on planet earth too, and, and kind of putting words to 
the interaction between the you know Papa Penguin and and Mama Penguin <laughs> that that you know I hey I mean there are moments I think at our house that <laughs> that maybe some of the thoughts of the of of Stephanie might be the same and 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 I'm certainly there are times when I've come home and you know there I guess she's making fun of the you know she's waiting for the husband to come home for the Papa Penguin to come home and mm-hmm. and she's not too happy with the fact that he he's not around and then comes back and and she said um he says you you know with the gl- with his uh let's see what it says you could see the enormous misunderstanding between these the husband and wife you do know that i almost got pulverized against the rocks diving for these fish <laughs> the harried penguin seemed to say with his beady black eyes once he finally arrived and i thought you know that kind of puts it onto i i think at least a beginning of 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 like your first chapter in in the book with regard to uh the challenges today is that oftentimes don't you th- it seems to me that a lot of people look at marriage as kind of a well I'll use you and you use me and don't you appreciate <laughs> you know what I'm saying I mean is that right what I'm doing for you you know yeah, yeah what are you I'm... doing for me what have you done for me lately kind of thing exactly of course that never I happens wanted... in my family I've never thought that of Stephanie but oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, Absolutely. So I just want to give the title of this piece. It's oh, yeah. called, Is Marriage Obsolete? The first part of a week-long series that attempts to understand marriage. And the author is Heather Havrileski, who I had never read before, but Wikipedia says she is a humorist, an American author, writer, and humorist. So it looks like she has a couple books out. Wow. Um, yeah, one called How to Be a Person in the World, and one called it from 2016, one called What If This Were Enough, 2018 book of essays. And then it looks like, yeah, she's she's done humor writing a lot, and it really shows in here. I, as a wife, I really appreciated when she's talking about the penguin. Oh, no, I think the, the, the dad, right. the penguin dad, is thinking, does her screeching have the faintest hint right. of burgeoning content to it? <laughs> or am I just imagining that? Yeah, no, I... Uh, I think, but I think, you know, the thing is, is I, what I like about doing something like this is it does get to it, but, but there is even a glimpse. I mean, if, if we're honest, I mean, at least in my house, if I'm honest, I mean, Stephanie, I, we have moments of, of these thoughts going on. Maybe, maybe we're unique in that. Um, uh, no. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't think we are, but, but, but I think that, so I, I think when you're trying to dialogue a culture, don't you think, I mean, it seems to me that reading something like this, it may not be coming from a Catholic perspective, maybe, maybe not even from a Christian perspective, you can sort of catch glimpses of, hey, oh, I can relate to that, you know, but here's how the answer would be. So do you think that, because oh, I think yeah. that's reason, that's a good enough, that's a good oh, yeah. reason I, to do I that. think a really uh, interesting or useful sentence is about six, maybe four paragraphs in, and she says, um, marriage Basically, in marriage, quote, somehow you have to keep your sense of humor, which studies suggest is crucial to a healthy marriage, minimize your contempt, a major predictor of marital dissatisfaction, and increase your joint take-home pay, currently the most accurate predictor of how long a marriage will last, according to some studies. And so I think you just really get a sense of kind of where she's coming at it from, at least at the beginning of the article. It's it's very materialistic. It's very social science driven, mm-hmm. and it is um, it's cynical. It's very cynical. Mm-hmm. That's the word I think. Cynical. cynical. Yeah, I think that's right. right. So, is it, yeah, I, so in that first, in your first section of your of your catechism, um, it talks about current challenges and timeless truth, and it said, you know, we're some key challenges in facing marriage and family today i think i don't know i haven't having not um not having it exactly in front of me but sure. certainly this this culture or this way of looking at at life has got to be somewhere in there is it is that accurate could you comment on that oh absolutely yeah uh <laughs> well so I'm going to go back. So we've got a quote in here on the section, um, the very first section. What are some of the key challenges facing marriage and family today? What was really interesting as we put this together was going way back to Pope Pius XI um, and his writing Kosti Kanubi from the 20s. And even then, even then, 
he's like wringing his hands, looking out over the world and seeing marriage. What does he say? Marriage is being trampled on. Right. But we're looking, uh, with, looking with paternal eye on the universal world from this apostolic sea as from a watchtower. Um, he says, deeply grieves us that a great number of men, he means people, forgetful of the divine work of redemption, either entirely ignore or shamelessly deny the great sanctity of Christian wedlock, or relying on the false principles of a new and utterly perverse morality too often trample it underfoot. So there's already in the 1920s a sort of secular, humanistic, even atheistic view of marriage as just a human institution, you know, separated from grace. Um, and that's really what kind of flourishes and um, grows throughout the rest of that last century. Um, and then later popes talk more in detail about, you know, individualism and materialism and, um, yeah, okay. And now I'm looking at Pope Francis's quote, Amoris Laetitiae, from 2014. And he's quoting, the danger represented by an extreme individualism, which weakens family bonds, um, leading in some cases to the idea that one person's, one's personality is shaped by his or her desires. Anyway, yeah, just a lot of those currents in our contemporary culture um, really do uh, fight against marriage. And I think that's what this author is asking, because she's reflecting on this question that, like, her daughter doesn't have right. any desire to get married. <laughs> she just wants to get a a German shepherd, oh, Australian shepherd, and grow old with that dog and, uh, you know, just have a comfortable single life on her own. And so the author is reflecting in this essay, like, well, you know, she's kind of got a point. There's a lot of problems in marriage, and <laughs> why would you want to grow old with an, another imperfect human being? Um, yeah, so I think that is just kind of a thin view of what marriage is. Because you kind of get the sense as, as our article progresses is that, like, things are just going to get worse and worse between, you know, two human people with all their faults who just – I think there was a quote, too, about, like, how our worst is going to get even worse as time goes on, right? Because yeah, it's, they're it's, getting old, you know. It's not a real hopeful um, – I do think, but I do think, because, I mean, you see in, the, I mean, I don't even know the stats, maybe you do, but I mean, in, in America, I mean, the, the tendency is towards marriage becoming less and less um, something that is believed to be, oh. even have any meaning or any use, um, it seems yeah. like. I mean, you, you have, but in practice and in the way it's being portrayed, I mean, I mean, I, you well, know. both, yeah. And I've seen uh, the numbers, like the Center, CARA, the Center for the Re uh, Applied Research in the Apostolate out of Georgetown. And maybe I've talked about this before on the show, but they're tracking numbers of Catholic marriages, which right. are plummeting. But so are they in the culture. Fewer and fewer people are getting married. There's fewer and fewer people marrying. And then in surveys where they ask young men and young women, you know, what are your life goals? Decades ago, getting married and having a family, raising kids, that would have been like someone's top life goal. Like, this is how I become an adult. This is how I show I'm making it. Right. I'm responsible. I'm achieving my destiny, my fulfillment in life. And now, I, I just wrote an article for my diocese um, magazine, the Northwest Catholic magazine. I was just um, putting together an article for June for Father's Day, and I was looking at research on fatherhood. And so um, now I was looking at the numbers, of, like, what, what are men thinking? And men now, when they're surveyed, their most common top priority is financial and career success and then personal leisure. And marriage and family are below it, and they, you know, they're not opposed to it, but it has to fit in with those other goals. So I think you're right that, you know, just in how it's being played out, Personally, you know, like in individual lives and in the big scope of culture, it's definitely an endangered institution. Yeah, and I, and I, you know, I, I think a lot of things in the Catholic Church. I mean, we need to understand it better. So I thought uh, uh, the catechism, like you've put, I think is is good, so that we can go out and and kind of shout from the rooftops, "Hey, try this! You might you you might be amazed <laughs> at what <laughs> you know what I'm saying." I mean, it seems to me like the church is kind of step back for for a number of decades and and kind of it, i mean again i'm overgeneralizing but but it seems to me like in catholics we're like yeah you know i mean marriage is good but but 
I can see where these people are coming from. And instead, I think, you know, we should boldly go out there. I think, you know, Bishop Barron that talks about the, the, is it Elijah or Alicia, the one that, you know, calls out the, calls out the other priests, you know what I'm talking about? And, and that he says, we need more people are bold enough to say, you know, Hey, look at my God, look at what, what he's offering and, and, and be bold enough to say, Hey, try this out or question how, so how's that working out for you? I mean, you know, (laughs) don't you think, I mean, I, I I think we need to be better at, at explaining it, but we also need to be bold enough to say, Hey, I mean, so tell me how it is working out for you. I mean, how is this whole single parenthood thing working for you? How's this no marriage thing working for you? Um, Oh, and it's not happy because, you know, the studies that that show, I mean, if we want to go to sociological, you know, social science data, people who are single or not married, like big picture, they're more likely to have, um, you know, to be depressed, to be sick, to not recover as well from sickness. You know, there's, um, there's a lot of benefits even just on the material level and health and happiness. Yeah, Stephanie, you know, Stephanie always says, Ste- there's, Stephanie says, well, you know, I'm a mom. I can't be sick. That's not allowed. Can't be sick. That's it's impossible for me to be sick. You know, I don't have time for sick. Yeah. But, but I think you're so right. We need to proclaim that marriage is good news. This is really something good. You know, we in the Catholic Church, I think we've been focusing on the vocation crisis for priests and religious. Right. But it's just as much a vocation crisis for married life. And so those of us who are married and who are so blessed and happy, like I really do find my fulfillment um, in being, you know, living this vocation as a path to holiness, that we really need to be bold in, in sharing and witnessing to that because it is good news. So when we look at what we believe and what we experience in the Catholic Church and in through faith about marriage, it's the wedding at Cana. It's the feast. It's the best wine is saved for last. It's not just, it just gets worse and worse over time. I mean, hopefully right. it's not, not, that's not what God's plan is. It's that, you know, we love each other more after 19 years, 25, 30, 40 years of 60 years of marriage than we did on, you know, in year one. Right. I mean, that's been experience. <laughs> and do you think, and it is for me too. And I, and I, when I talk to people, you know, about, or young couples, I'm like, you know, the, 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 the way I love my wife is way deeper and way more substantial than when I first, when I first met her. And I could have never imagined that then, but it's deeper and it's across a broader array of, it's not just, Hey, she's attractive. She's pretty. I like her. She's fun to be around. It's have she, do you seen what she did with our family? Have you, have you, she can see bore, you know, triplets and she's, you know, managed to keep me from wrecking this home. <laughs> I mean, what, I mean, there's just, there's just a level and a depth that I think is different. And in this culture that I think is over sexualized, not for, if that's even a word, but but um, mm-hmm, it, it tends to be, you know, in this in this blue pill world that that seems to be out there. There's b- more beyond uh, just the sexuality between a couple. And, you know, I see my grandparents, you know, when I when I got to know them, they'd been married 50 some odd years before my grandfather died. And they had I know they didn't, but they had separate beds. I mean, it's like the Lucy, you know. <laughs> Ricky Ricardo and Lucy, you know, but I think they reached a point where they loved each other more than just because of that attraction. It seems like there's kind of this thing in the culture that maybe is proposing, you know, hey, guys, you can keep up this and and that that's the most important thing about any relationship. And so even though you're 65 or 70 or whatever, that still needs to be the center of it, as opposed to what I'm realizing is... there is a depth of relationship that has come from living with somebody and having a common mission and a goal that is so joy filled, even though there've been struggles. I mean, it, uh, maybe in your 19 years, it's about the, it, it, the same, a similar type of thing, but we got to start selling something beyond just the set, the, the attraction between a man and a woman mm-hmm. that is based just on um, outward appearance. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because it's really not enough 
carry, you know, like to carry. <laughs> right. But, um, I don't know what trying to say, but, you know, it's, it's kind of thin. Like it wears out after a while. Um, and the way God designed us, you know, as integrated, spiritual, physical um, persons, um, like physical alone is just the physical attraction, physical pleasure. That's just not enough to fulfill us. Right. And that's, you know, that's why people feel empty or when their attraction fades or whatnot, you know, they get cynical and, and think, oh, it's, it's all over. It's all downhill. But that's just one piece. And it's a language, you know, um, that marital union, it's the language of the body. So it's not just about how we're saying it, but it's the content of what we're saying, too. You know, when, when you have more years under your belt as a married couple, you're saying when you unite physically, like, I love all of you and everything we've been through, and I've seen your best and your worst, and we've been through all these things together, and I still take you, you know, you're mine and I'm yours. And that's just, that means so much more, like, it's so more in, much more interesting to hear, and the story continues, and I just, I'm so grateful for our faith, because it has a happy ending, and, you know, because right. the story's so interesting along the way. And we need them, and we need people, like I said, you know, uh, you need to have, you know, I told Stephanie, I said, I hope I live long enough to be married at least 50 years because I can remember hanging out with my grandparents and going to their 50th wedding anniversary and seeing them. Hey, I mean, I saw them argue. I mean, they're, I mean, they loved each other. So, you know, it wasn't, you know, perfect or they had reached a point where they never disagreed, but they loved each other immensely. And we need more examples like that. I mean, I, you know, we need, that. that's part of the good news. How do, how do they stay happy at, you know, 75 years old or whatever, and 50 years of marriage. I mean, that's part of the good news, but unfortunately you don't see <laughs> as much. I'm hoping to make it there. It's going it, to, it'll be oh, interesting. Do 20. It. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do go it. for it. But yeah. My grandparents just celebrated their 60th wedding wow. last spring, and they're just both doing great, and I love them so much, and they're such a good example. But there was that time that Grandma chased Grandpa around the kitchen table with a butcher knife, like right. part of our family legend. <laughs> right. <laughs> It was a carving knife, she says, whenever we retell the story. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, but, you know, they've been through a lot, and they are still 100% for each other. And it's just, it they just ooze integrity, and all of us grandkids just know they are rock-solid people. It's just wonderful. And so I wonder what you think about this is, is, is the honesty, because I think and this is maybe tapping into kind of where we are now, where, you know, in this in this perfect um in this world of social media and things being out there that maybe people have a misconception of things. Cause I always tell the story of my parents, my, you know, my, my, my dad, I've never seen as angry. And, and today's there would have been their 55th anniversary. My, my mother died oh, 20 wow. some odd years ago, but today's, today's the day. And I sent a, a mm -hmm. thing to my dad, but, but, and I don't think he'll mind this, but, but, but my mother voted for Jimmy Carter, and that was, <laughs> that was, that was not a happy day in our house. You know, my dad was like, bam, you're the reason the, this town, this this country's going to hell in a handbasket, and the, the argument ensued. But but what I finished that with is, you know, I think mom at least one plate flew across the room at my dad and shattered. <laughs> and but 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 the, but here's what I re remember about that. Okay, so that argument happened. My parents calmed down and they pulled all four of the kids. I'm probably well, that was 1976, so I was I was 11, and I'm the oldest, so. Okay. 11 down to five, they pulled us all in. I can remember now sitting on the bed. They set us on their bed and both of them walked in and they got down on their knees and they talked to us and they said, and they said, listen, we did not handle that. Well, first thing Two, we, you never have to worry about us getting divorced. We will be married forever. And the reason that we disagree as adamantly about this is because we actually care about what the other person thinks. And while I'm not saying that's the best way to do it, but that anytime there was an argument about something, we were always brought to that bed, right? which is symbolic, I guess, <laughs> in, in, yeah. a, in a sense, but brought to that bed, sat down. I can remember sitting. I couldn't. My feet wouldn't touch the ground. I mean, even at 11, I couldn't Aww. sit, uh -huh. and my other brothers are sitting there, and, and I never worried about and I, maybe it was intuitive on their part, uh, because I think now you'd say that most people don't want their parents to get divorced. I don't know if it ever, but it never crossed my mind because they would always say that ain't happening. I mean, we're, we, mm -hmm. we, people disagree and maybe they don't disagree well, 
<laughs> but they do disagree. And part of why they disagree is because they care enough about each other to do it. Because my dad used to always say, if I didn't care, I'd just leave. I mean, I, you know, if I didn't care what your mother thought and wished that we were seeing things eye to eye, I would just bail. So, you know, uh, maybe we didn't handle it well, but that is communicating to y'all that we care about what, e- what, what each of us thinks. So anyway, that's a, I just think that, you know, I tend to say, point out is all families and marriages, in fact, maybe all, maybe all is correct, aren't perfect little, you know, parties and everybody gets along and, and all that type of stuff. We need to be okay with the fact that sometimes it's maybe a little messy (laughs) underneath the roof. That's a really good point. Um, well, I have two things to say in response. One is my parents fought a lot growing up, and then in my but my mom would always tell us, "But don't worry, we're not getting divorced." But then they did get divorced. Oh, did they? It was really, oh, wow. it, they did. When I I was an adult, so I was actually in grad school at the time, and they uh, they kind of held it together till my youngest sister, the youngest one in the house, was eighteen, and then that year, her senior year, it just kind of it was it was almost like you know they they got all the kids through. But um, but I want to say that because just so many people do come from divorced homes, yes. um, and but I just want to encourage people that um, even if that's what has has what's how you grew up, you can right. still absolutely have a happy marriage. I'm just so blessed in my marriage with my husband, and I have you know my faith and a lot of other good examples of marriage. And I know my parents loved us, and they they really did their best, and I'm grateful. Um, yeah. But the other thing I want to say is what your parents did was so important was they showed you all really intentionally that they were reconciling in front of you and kids need to see that. So none of us is perfect. You know, often we will um, lose our temper or fight in front of the kids. And that's very distressing for kids. Um, We, my husband, Nathan and I just went on a Secular marriage retreat with um, Dr. John Gottman and his wife, Dr. Julie Gottman. They're um, they were they're retired professors from the University of Washington here in Seattle, and he's uh, just a, written a bunch on marriage. He's a marriage expert, and one of the people in the crowd asked during the Q and A, like, "Well, so what? Uh, you know, shouldn't you fight in front of your kids so they can see this is a normal part of life that you can you know have conflict?" And they're like, mm, "No, no, no." <laughs> really try not to because it's really all all their studies show it's really distressing for kids right and he said if you do you have to make up in front of them and if you have if your kids are little you have to show physical like affection like a hug or a kiss because wow, they just need to see it like at that symbolic level that kids under little kids understand like oh they're together they're happy with each other. So just for what it's worth, uh, Isn't that funny? anyone out there in the audience wondering about that. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Yeah, I think and my parents were very good about making up. The, 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 this is just an aside, but I think it maybe extends to the family of origin issue that comes up with any, any marriage. Stephanie's never saw her parents ever fight. They never even had a cross word. So the first argument that Stephanie and I had, which I presumed was normal, um, she said, I thought, okay, I married the wrong guy. I mean, they don't, they don't argue. And it wasn't until you years thought, Hey, we're married now. So this is what we do. This is what we do. You know, I said, look, I mean, we're, I'm, I'm Irish. You're Cajun. I mean, how in the world do we live together and not get in an argument or at least be loud. But, um, but I, but I think it was funny, you know, she was like five or six years later after we had kind of worked through, through that. She just like asked her mom, like, did you and dad ever argue? And she just started laughing, <laughs> you know, in the back room. So I think, I think that, um, I think, like you said, living it out in front of your children and the example that you have both in youth and then looking at your grandparents have such a great, um, impact, I guess. I mean, it did on me on, on how you look at marriage and what marriage is like and, and, um, and how it all works and that you see that, you know, to, to stay married 50 years doesn't mean you don't have disagreements, you know, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean you don't, it doesn't even mean that you agree, ultimately agree on everything. Cause even my grandmother and grandfather didn't, but, but anyway, I, I, it's kind of a digression, but I think it is important, you know, for 
And what are your thoughts on, I think it's a very Catholic thing, that that the way that God communicates, like what he, wa- what, what he wants, and it to some extent always happens through people and the witness of their life, right? I mean, mm-hmm. does that make sense? Like, I mean, I, I, when I think about our marriage and I think about how do we learn, I, I, I can almost point to events that I remember, bet- interactions between my parents or my grandparents or somebody I saw that, that give concrete form to some concept or idea. Right. Yeah. It's a lot different. Think about like the concept of marriage, the institution of marriage, sort of as an abstract versus seeing a real life married couple. Is that what you mean? Yeah. No, I think, I think that when I think about like, I I can almost always think of of an example either from my life or something that I, or from my parents that I remember, I can point to and go, it almost comes to mind as a readily, you know, when I'm trying to Mm -hmm. tell somebody, you got to stick it out through this or, you know, I think I mentioned, I was just telling my, my grant, my father told, you know, told me right before I walked out to get married, you know, <laughs> to tell me, Hey, you know, if you say I do, we can leave right now. But if you say I do, you're in for good period. I mean, uh-huh. I, that, that, that I've remembered that from that day forward. I mean, it's never left my mind. So there have been times, you know, when you, when, when you might think, Believe I, I can just hear my dad saying, "Yeah, I mean, you never leave. I mean, you die before you quit. You know, die before yeah. you quit." <laughs> um, Absolutely. Can I can I jump in on on yeah, this? Please. And I want to go back please. to the article. Yeah, please. Because I think as she um she goes through and she's got all this cynical, um, sarcastic, you know, examples and um, kind of laying out of I guess the current conventional, maybe secular wisdom of what marriage is mm-hmm. and um that you know marriage was once se- once seen as a joint effort to achieve the good life these days marriage looks more like a joint attempt to live your best lives together and separately <laughs> um it's hard enough to live peacefully with someone by your side making noises emitting smells and on and on and on <laughs> um but then she says so why do i love this torturous state of affairs so much the daily companionship, the shared household costs, the tax breaks are not enough. And then she says, mm-hmm. and yet there's something distinctly reassuring about breaking down, falling into disrespe- disrepair, losing your charms, misplacing your keys, ha ha ha, when you have an equally inept and irritating human tolerating it all in spite of a million and one very good reasons to put on his walking boots and take his love to town. And she she kind of moves into this part at the end of the article where she actually celebrates the suffering, the difficulty, the self-sacrifice, the the hard stuff that are in the marriage vows in a Catholic wedding. And, and it's very, it has a very Catholic sensibility as the article draws to a close, actually. I think... She's almost calling people to, there's something good and right and beautiful about living in relationship and companionship with another human being as you can't take care of yourself anymore and you have to depend on someone else to um, be there for you. There, There's something... Um, Truly, well, truly human all... and and trans- transcendent yeah. about that. And she even she even uses the word divine, which was kind yes. of mm-hmm. cool because this whole like last few paragraphs where mm-hmm. she brings it on to like oh there but there is this you know it is worth it after all despite mm-hmm. all these reasons why mm-hmm. <laughs> marriage can be annoying. Um, <laughs> she said something divine. Oh, I'm trying to. Find yeah, it's a, it says it's. I can read it. I have it here because there is nothing Please, more yeah. divine than being able to say out loud. Today, I'm really, truly at my worst, knowing that it won't make your spouse run for the hills. And there's actually decent theology there. <laughs> there is. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like natural law just can't, you know, you just can't squash it. It's going to pop out. And, uh, you know, what we're made for as humans is going to come through. Um, even when we don't realize we're following God's plan or, you know, God's de- the desire God put, puts in our hearts. 
to be accepted, to be loved, to love unconditionally, right? Because that's Jesus' fidelity to his bride, the church, um, which is what Catholic marriage is really a symbol and participation of. Um, and, and being able you know, to, yeah, I, I'm really interested in seeing it because even before the, the, this whole thing, you know, um, before that it is another one. And, uh, but by another thing, our most discouraged moments together without turning aside, by screeching at the moon side by side, admitting this is all our fault. We don't just aff- reaffirm our love. We reaffirm our shared and separate ability to face the unknown from this point forward. And this is all our fault. You know, it, what the, the honesty, which is necessary, which I think a lot of people try to live a lie or or pretend mm-hmm. to be living something that they're not. It seems like she's pointing out something that I guess we as Catholics should all know, that the truth is what sets you free. <laughs> I mean, and it think, is our fault, you know? It is our fault. The primordial sense of, like, um, the fall and original sin is kind of coming through there in that uh, passage that she writes. That, right. Like, we we know this is our fault, and, and but we're going to just be faithful and... Um, if I could quote, I have this um, lovely, because I, I think this points to the cross. Yes, absolutely. Ultimately, you know, where the meaning of marriage is Catholic, where it really all comes from. The the suffering and death that we all have to face, Jesus right. faced that, and he redeems it. So growing old together, it's not, and seeing each other, you know, with more and more <laughs> deficiencies and incapabilities as we get older, that's not a sad ending to our story, because we know what comes through the cross is the redemption. Right. But John Paul II wrote here in Familiaris Consortio 33, and so this is also from a quote that's in chapter one of the Catechism for Family book. He says, by coming to restore the original order of creation disturbed by sin, he, he means Jesus, he himself gives the strength and grace to live marriage in the new dimension of the reign of God. It's by following Christ, renouncing themselves, and taking up their crosses that spouses will be able to receive the original meaning of marriage and live it with the help of Christ. The grace of Christian marriage is a fruit of Christ's cross, the source of all Christian life. So I just love that in our Catholic faith that, you know, even the worst, suffering, death, uh, all that, um, that's not the end. There's right. more to the story, and it's a happy ending. And, and that's... <laughs> the and I was telling I was telling Thaddeus before I might have mentioned it to you before, but but I was in a Bible study. We mentioned that that, that Bible study, and one of the things that I that I recognize is that it seems to have been that that they while they don't have a sense of marriage as a sacrament, two things came out that just in a discussion. Um, one was, don't you think that God gave us this so that we can be transformed, made more like Jesus because of the way we have to give up for, and this is just a natural conversation. And then, which that, that came up in in the conversation with, with these guys. And I thought that that was, that was, um, interesting. And I I lost the, the second point, but, but I, but I think that there's almost an intuition that there's something more here in marriage than meets the eye, so to speak, you know, that, um, that even just prayerfully going through this, uh, it's maybe a secular person writing this article or some Protestants that don't necessarily look at marriage as a, some of them don't look at marriage as a sacrament and, and the availability of grace there that they almost can kind of get there on, on their own, I guess. Is that right? Just thinking it through. I see what you mean that they can see the connection between you know, Jesus and uh, being more like him, being more self-giving um, and what spouses are called to. That's really cool. And were you reflecting on Ephesians 5 with your Bible study, guys? Yeah, we were, we were reflecting on Ephesians 5. And, and what I noticed was, is it seemed, I, I don't know, I, and again, I can't put my hands on it, but but it seemed to me as we were talking that, that there was certainly great reverence for for marriage. Um, they they were pointing out that they didn't think that that the the church in the vaguer sense broader sense you know, maybe a protestant mm-hmm. sense of the of the term had not done a very good job of 
of challenging men and women to accept what the Bible says mm-hmm. marriage should be, that, that most people like to walk around the, you know, deferring to one another out of reverence for Christ, the, you know, mm-hmm. wives submit to your husband, you know, those type of things. They were calling trigger words and, and that mm-hmm. they've avoided that and, and, and it avoided it, avoided it completely. So not even trying to dig into well, what is St. Paul getting at here? Because I know a lot of people that like to point to that and say, you know, you know, my wife doesn't submit to me. Well, that's, I don't think, can you comment on that? I mean, I, I, that's not what it, he means in the sense that we're, we're not meant as husbands to lord it over her. Oh, yeah, right. Well, yeah, I mean, and I think um, depending on which, you know, where, which denomination or maybe, right. it would like de- it would part depend. of Protestantism you're in, they've got a real sense of male headship. Right. Um, or maybe like a sense of let's avoid talking about male headship. And then because of that, we're going to avoid talking about this whole section of Ephesians 5. And um, But what I think was really a beautiful contribution was when John Paul II was reflecting on um, this passage in his document on the vocation and dignity of women, Mulieris Dignitatem, right. which came out in 1988. He really interprets that um passage, he interprets the, like, wise be submissive to your husbands in terms of the the passage, that the verse that comes right after that, be subordinate to one another out of reverence for Christ. So he kind of, like, the way I read it, it looks like he's saying, we're in our Catholic Church, we're not going to talk about male headship as such, um, like maybe as this it's sort of power structure, um, but it's about mutual subordination. You know, we're, we're giving right. ourselves to each other in total self-gift. Um, and we're, we're both going to be submissive to Jesus. He's the Lord. He's, he's the one who gets the Lord over us in our marriage in the sense that he's the Lord. Right. Right. Marriage. Is that what you're thinking about? Yeah. And I think, and I think that one of the things that, that, um, that comes to mind is that, um, we, Oh, I'm, I'm, I, goodness gracious. My head is, is spinning here. Cause oh, you had okay. me think, you had me thinking about, do you want me to jump in while you're yeah, trying to read? Yeah, I think ahead. another interesting way to read that passage is that so men husbands yeah. are supposed to love your wives, right? Yes. But if we're both being mutually um, under Christ, we're fa- and we're supposed to take up our cross and imitate Christ, then loving our wives means living in self-sacrifice for them, right? Dying to ourselves for them. That should be right. the. And I think that's what. Example of love, Chris. Mm-hmm. I think Christopher West, when I when I've read stuff of his, says that you know the mission of the husband is to serve the wife. That's that's the, and and I would know what I was going to say. John Paul II goes pretty good lengths to say that the role of you know priest, prophet, and king of king, in the Christian sense, is the king is at the service of the people he's in, not mm-hmm. lording it over them. That so to be yeah, to be ahead, you're watching. you're meant to be the person who washes their feet, not, not the one that says, Hey, wash my feet. You know, that you're, that you're meant to be a servant at heart. And, um, I think that again, we miss when we try to work our way around or totally avoid those things that require some digging into because at a superficial level, they may offend somebody. I mean, we're getting, it's unfortunate, and and even there's a natural sensibility that these people are getting at that somehow the church has lost, you know, it's it's not talking about that which will make marriage better, and and therefore people are walking away from it. I think we've got a couple de- in our own Catholic Church. We've got a couple decades of that doing that as regarding the church teaching on contraception. Absolutely, a lot of discomfort and squeamishness about you know. Okay, we don't want to touch that issue. We're not going to talk about that. And then just not serving the Catholic faithful um, well as far as really teaching them about the meaning of marriage and the beauty of sexuality and God's plan for it. So yeah, I think and we've definitely got that going on. And that's why, and that's why I think it's so important for us and the listeners and all of us to, to become more tuned, more gain, more understanding about what is the church, not just what does the church teach, like what are we supposed to do or not do, but, mm-hmm. but why right. and what the connection is with what Jesus accomplished on the cross and why he left his church so that we can be excited about sharing Hey, this is a beautiful teaching. This is not something being lorded over you. This is a proposal that is 
hey, you're going to find your true happiness in actually living this out. You're going to find your true happiness in following this. It's not some, you know, old man in Rome <laughs> telling you yeah. do this uh, just because I'm telling you. It's it's somebody who loves you so much that you that they want what's best. And sometimes what's best, I mean, I know with my kids, and I'm certainly with me as a son, that many times the best thing for me was not something I wanted to do and not even something that I thought was best at the time I was being told to do it. But now I can look back at it and know that my parents knew better. Yeah, and I think I think another interesting way to um, understand the, the submissive part of that in Ephesians 5 is the the wife if the if the husband is called to live self-sacrificially for the wife then if the wife is being submissive to her husband then that means letting him live in that heroic self-sacrificial role encouraging him which, to do that yeah which means giving up control which i have to say as a woman is one of our biggest challenges you know uh, <laughs> i think ever since the fall eve you know She's like, okay, well, he let me down, so I got to do this myself. And a lot of us women, too, we feel that, like, okay, I, I need to control things for things to be okay. Right. But if I give up control, if I allow myself to receive, that's scary and vulnerable. But that's the way of, of being able to, you know, open ourselves to receive service, love, care. Um, yeah, and that submission, even when we look at that very word, Sub means under, and mission from missio. So we're under the mission yep. of love. Yep. Under the mission of making our husbands know that we love them and of letting our husbands show that they love us, even if they don't, you know, do it according to, even if they load the dishwasher wrong or they bring us flowers and they're not our favorite kind of right. flowers or the kind that we've already told them that we don't like. <laughs> right, yeah, right, but right. you're right. But, but, being, but being under the mission of the husband, dying to himself, living self-sacrificially, mm-hmm. Living for the other. And you know what popped into my mind is how in the cultures is my, my, my boys have been taught because my mother hammered it into our my brain was that, you know, boys open doors for women. <laughs> they always do. In fact, oh. you know, the, four, the, the five of us would run out there, four boys and my father, and we'd all run into the car to go to church. And where's mom? Well, she's standing outside the door. Hey, could you please get out and open it? Cause she would never open. She said, I didn't have four boys to ever open a door for myself. <laughs> was kind of how was kind of how I do it. But, but now I'm seeing that my boys will tell me, cause I'll always say, open the door, you know, for a lady that they're now, there are girls that take offense at that. They're like, oh, yeah. I, I don't need I you. Myself, What's right? it? Yeah. Don't you, it, I mean, so it's, it's actually being that, that being submission, missive in that sense like i always tell them it's your job to protect help you know serve them and the one way you can do that in a simple form is just make sure you open the door for them um but for them to deny that is to be not submissive in that sense not allowing them to serve mm-hmm. and, and yeah and it's a lot of fear from the secular you know, mainstream feminist movement. Like we've got to be self-sufficient women and can't be letting guys open doors for us because that shows we're not strong enough. And, um, but really there's a, there's a a graciousness to, um, to allowing those manifestations of chivalry, which I think are great. I'm so glad you're raising boys who open doors. Anybody that, anybody that tells me that they can't, um, that, that they won't let me, I say, look, my mother literally was rolling over in her grave. She didn't let me. So please just, out of reverence for her, let me Keep open the door for me, please. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, and Stephanie's gotten good at, at waiting, but, um, and not letting a door open, but we're down to, I think three minutes now. So I, we've, we've, uh, we've gone all over the place, but hopefully this has been helpful for those people who are listening. And I don't know if you had anything, um, more, I want to tell everybody out there listening that, that Dr. Bartell will, um, be a regular here. And um, and I'm I'm very excited about that. So we've got lots to build on here. But did you have anything else that maybe you wanted to point out in the last minute or two, or draw it, it all or together? Draw it all together, tie it in a bow. Oh, that's a big chat. Yeah, that. and it, I'm just gonna bring it back to Jesus on the cross. And uh, you know, in this article, she talked about like putting up with someone who's old who emits smells and lose you know losing our keys and whatnot. Jesus' bride is not perfect. You know, we right. in the church. We're kind of, you know, we burp and toot and, you know, (laughs) he's got to put up with us with all our flaws and blemishes, like it says in Ephesians 5. 
but we can just let our, let ourselves be loved by that. And that's just really the greatest thing. You know, that's the whole meaning of our life is love and being loved. So I think that's just, it's so, it's such a privilege to reflect on the mystery of marriage because it really points to what we're made for so clearly. And it is, and it is so central, I think, to, uh, to us being able to go out into this world and propose something better, you know, which is what the church has always taught. But I mean, to actually go out in the world and challenge and say, Hey, there's something more here. And it's, and it is truly uh, beautiful. So. And Sarah, one more time, your book title and where can we get it? Sure. A catechism for family life insights from Catholic teaching on love, marriage, sex, and parenting. You can get it on Amazon. It's on sale there. I think right now for $18. And it's, uh, you can also get it if you go to cuapress.com, find it from the publisher there. Yeah, and my website is drsarahbartell.com. Sarah with an H, Bartell with one L. And I'll look forward to coming back and speaking with you guys some more. All yeah, right, very, thank you. And, and Trey, you got a memory verse for us? Well, I think, you know, maybe we'll just do, since we did Ephesians 5, maybe we'll do 5, 31, and um, 32. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, and I mean in reference to Christ and the church. Um, something to ponder uh, as we go forward. But anyway, I, I'm grateful for Sarah being here and Thaddeus, and, um, and always remember that um, you need to pray. Parent with a purpose and prepare for God to amaze you. And he will. God bless you guys. Talk to you soon.